church. We've been digging into the book of Acts. We've been looking at how the early church operated and what they did and how they lived. And we've been asking the question, how does our church practice conform with the practice of the early church? Are there ways in which we need to shift and adjust the way in which we do church to be more like what the church was doing at the beginning? And, uh, and so this morning we're going, to, we're going to talk about being a church that cares. And, and to be honest, this is a very simple idea. This is not a deeply convoluted theological idea. I don't need an hour and a half to explain the Greek of this to you. This is, this is really quite a simple idea. And uh, I'm going to pick up two stories of the early church. Do I need a new microphone, guys? Okay, we're fine. Good. The two stories are, are stories of generosity. One is probably very well known. It's the story in Acts chapter 4. It's the second summary in the book of Acts that speaks about the believers and how they were together in one heart and mind. You might remember that at the end of Acts chapter 4. The second story is, is maybe less well known. It's in the end of Acts chapter 11. It's a story of, a, uh, of the collection that began to be taken up for the church in Jerusalem. And both of these stories, they display quite clearly the selfless generosity that the early church began to operate with, how they willingly and freely gave of what they have to support and to bless their brothers and sisters in the Lord. And so the heart of our message this morning is literally that simple. If they were willing to do that for one another, we could probably stand to be a little bit more like them. If we're honest, maybe a lot more. Touch and go, right? Some of us are very gracious and generous. Some of us have a lot more space to grow in that space. But what I don't want to do this morning is I'm not going to stand up here and tell you what to do, nor do I want to guilt you into doing something, because that's a terrible idea. It's it's all of man, and it's not of the Lord, and we're going to burn out and get sad. So we're not going to do that. Right, but we're going to facilitate an opportunity for us to speak together with God and allow Him to, to speak to us. And if He tells us to do something, we're going to do that. Does that sound all right? Okay, I think that's a better, a better way to go forward. So we're going, to, we're going to start, I want to set a little baseline for us. Then we're going to read the two passages. And actually, we're going to have a little interactive discussion and just see what you can see in the passages. And then we're going to do a very small thing where we begin to put what we've seen into practice. So that's, that's where we're going to go, and so let's, let's get going. I want to start with this question. I felt as I was preparing this, God said, we need to start here. Why do we come to church? You can stick that up for me, Chris. Why, why do we come to church? And I don't actually even like that idea because we are the church. So why do we as the church gather is maybe a better question, but we'll, we'll leave it there. Why do we gather? Why do we come? Do we come because it's like the right thing to do? We've kind of grown up in a Christian home and our parents dragged us off to Sunday school every morning. I mean, that was certainly my experience until the Lord met me, right? Do you come to be discipled because this is a great place and someone's going to preach a message and hopefully it's going to shape and and move you into a way that makes you a little bit more Christ-like? Do you come to see your friends? That's quite a normal thing to do. It's like a weekly catch-up. You get to see people that you really know and like and they're quite cool and you get to be with them. Maybe, maybe church is a space of a spiritual top-up for you. It's a place where God meets you and ministers to you and fills you up so that you move into the week ahead, empowered by the Spirit. Maybe you come here and, and your hope is that you would meet with God, that you would meet with God in this place as the church gathers together. Right? And maybe that's the thing that enables you to step into the week that you've got. Or perhaps, perhaps you, want, you come to church because you want to honor God. 
and you believe this is something God has called us to do, to gather together and we bring honor to his name as we do those things, as we gather. These are not bad things. In fact, many of them are they're very good things. They're very good reasons to gather together. But they leave, out, they leave out one of the key reasons that the Scripture tells us to come together. The Scripture tells us that we come together for one another. Does that make sense? When you gather, those things are they're often about, like, I want, to be, I want to be touched. I want to be topped up. I want to be fooled by the Spirit. I want to meet the Lord. And it's a little bit too much about me and not quite enough about everyone else. And the Scriptures tell us to, to have this other focus when we gather together. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 26, Paul says this. He says, what do we need to say, brothers and sisters? When you come together, when you gather, each of you needs to have either a hymn or a word of instruction or a revelation or a, a tongue from the Lord, a, a spiritual word from God that comes in a different language. Or you need to come and God has given you an interpretation for a tongue that's going to come. There's something that God has shown you in the week or before the meeting that you come and you're bringing that. There's a word that you've received in the scripture as you've been reading it for yourself that you've just recognized and said, wow, this has been so good. And maybe God wants to bless others with this. Maybe there's a song that's just in your heart because God has been moving you. Paul says all of these things must be done. All of these things must be brought when you come together so that the church may be built up. So that what God has been doing in you before you get here will bless everyone else when you come. Does that make sense? It's for the church. It's for the body. Hebrews 10, 24 to 25 says this, Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Right? Not giving up meeting together, as some people do, but instead we encourage one another and all the more as we see the day approaching. We have to do that together. We can't spur one another on if we're not there. Our role in coming to church is to inspire one another. It's to call out what God is doing. It's to elevate you and say, you know what? We can have faith for more. We can trust God together for more. We can move to, I see what God has placed in your heart. Come, let's do that together. There's a one anothering that we do when we come together, when the church gathers. Fundamentally, the, when we gather together, it's not about how we can be blessed or topped up, although sometimes God does that as everyone else brings their stuff. Hopefully that's happening. But the heart is we come for each other. We come to bless others because God has already done stuff in us that we're able to give to others. And if we're going to be a church that cares, I think this is a pretty helpful baseline for us to start with. That we come not just for us, but we come because we want to bless others. And then we, can, then we have a posture that's open to others, that's looking to see what God is doing in someone else's life and how I can be a part of that journey. So we're going to do a little thing just now to begin to embody that, right? But let's not jump there. Let's, let's dig into a little bit of scripture together. Let's see these stories. Hopefully you know these stories. They're quite well known, or at least this one is. Right, this is the second summary passage in the book of Acts, after the first one in Luke chapter 2. This is Luke chapter 4. And uh, the background to the story is that Peter and John, they've just been released after being arrested for preaching, after they healed a guy, right? And so they've gathered together as the church, and they've begun to pray, and they've asked that the Holy Spirit would come and give them boldness and courage. It says the whole place where they were meeting was shaken. They were filled with the Spirit and they spoke the word of God boldly. 
And then we have this passage. It says this, all the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there was not a needy person among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses, they sold them and they brought the money from the sale and they put it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to anyone who had need. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, he sold a field that he owned and he brought the money and he put it at the apostles' feet. That's the first, that's the first section of Scripture. This is not complicated. This is not difficult to understand, right? We agree. So there's a straightforward narrative passage. So I'd love you to just tell me, as we've read that together, what are some of the things that you noticed? As we were, what, st- what stood out for you? What was obvious? What was, int- what was great? There's probably not a wrong answer here. Yes. Yeah, they sold stuff, right? They sold their own land. They sold their own houses sometimes. Yes, Miriam. Mm. Yeah. That's it. It started from this place. There was, a, there was a togetherness in heart and mind and a depth in the spirits that they were able to move out of. Great. Terry. Yeah. It's huge, hey? I mean, this, this is radical stuff. It's, I mean, we, we did Agents of Change, I think, two years ago, and somebody gave a house to someone's ministry in Joburg. Like, that was huge. Right? That was beautiful. But this is, this is radical generosity. Yeah, Alistair. Yeah. And to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul. To love your neighbors, your soul. Right? Well, the two main commandments, at least. Yeah. Yes, Kach. No one claimed that any of us were. Mm. Now they recognized that what they had was actually already a gift to them from God that they were just stewarding what God had entrusted to them. And if God had given it to them, then they could give it to others. Anything else? Yeah. The power of the gospel was at work amongst the community. And it was through the power of the gospel, which is the means of God to salvation, that the grace to operate in that generosity was happening. And people were coming to know Jesus as a part of that. I think that's, it's like that, that's what was going on, right? We get to see that there's, a, there's this general illustration that happens about what everyone did. And then they, when we have Joseph, just, you know, just to be clear, he also did the same thing. Barnabas did the same thing. Interestingly, if we had to read on the next story, which we're going to pick up in two weeks' time, how it's going to pick up for us, is actually a continuation of the story, but it's about how this went badly. Remember the story of Ananias and Sapphira? They also sold some property. And they also brought the money to the apostles' feet, but they did it to look good. They did it to look generous in front of the church. Did not go very well for them. All right, we're going to dig into that a little bit more in two weeks' time. But it's not about, it's not about me. It's not about how good I can be. It's about what God is giving me the grace to do 
and to bless others with. Okay. Second story, Acts chapter 11, 27 to 30. During this time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them was named Agabus. He stood up and through the Spirit, he predicted that a severe famine would spread over the entire Roman world. Now this happened during the reign of Claudius. So the disciples, as each one was able, decided to provide help for the brothers and sisters living in Judea. And they did this, sending their gift to the elders by Barnabas and Saul. This is now the church in Antioch, which if you are familiar with the geography of the region, is kind of up north. It's on the northeastern corner of the Mediterranean Sea. Right? It's, it's a lot higher than Jerusalem geographically, and it's primarily made up of Gentiles. The gospel had begun to spread, and so Barnabas, which is the same guy we just read about in Acts chapter 4, he gets sent by the apostles from Jerusalem to Antioch to guide them, to encourage them, to teach them. As he's there, he recognizes, well, we need a little bit of help here, so he jumps just around the corner, goes and fetches Saul, otherwise known as Paul, and brings him back, and together they stay in Antioch for a year. They begin to teach and equip the believers together there. And then we get this description. This, this thing that happens, some prophets arrive from Jesus. What do you notice in this story? Yeah, Steve. Yeah. It's quite phenomenal when you think about generation after generation and hundreds of years of this sort of inbred behavior. It's mm. just been the law. And it's going the other way now. Yeah. It's those who have been disregarded by the Jewish believers that the Gentile believers are now choosing to bless their Jewish brothers, whom they probably haven't met, because it's a long way to travel between Antioch and Jerusalem. Right? Most of them wouldn't know the brothers and sisters in Jerusalem, but they decided to bless them anyway because they shared something in the Lord. That's awesome. Any other thoughts? You notice how this begins through a move of the Spirit again. Right? Agabus comes, he's a prophet, he has a prophetic word, and they decide to act on that. They recognize, hold on, this man is speaking by the Spirit of God. He's not just speaking in his own authority. God is behind this thing. And so they act in obedience. It's again, it's a spirit-led response. It's not a man-led response. What's also interesting, I had to do some research to, to make sure about this, but Antioch is also part of the Roman Empire. Right? So the, the um, famine that gets predicted is not just going to affect those guys, but not us. It's going to affect all of us, but we felt led in the Lord to bless them, to make sure that they're okay. That's quite hectic. That's quite selfless. Again, simple stories of radical generosity. We don't, we don't need to dig into the Greek to understand what's going on. We don't need to theologize this. I don't need to create a complex theology of, of generosity for us in this. I don't think that's the point. The point is to just see that as God is at work in us by the Spirit, there's a compassion that wells up in us to care for and to love our brothers and sisters in the Lord. That's, that's as simple as it is. That's how God wants His church to be. 
to be moved by the Spirit to love our brothers and sisters in the law, to use what God has given us to bless others. And so that's what we're going to do now. We're going to begin to just allow God to, to move us in that. So, so I've got a little four-step process, Chris, if you could put the last slide up. Right. This is what we're going to do. We're going to take a moment and we're going to pause and we're going to say, Lord, is there a need in my life that I'm currently trusting you for? Something that I, that I, I, that I particularly would need, or if you've got zero needs, something that you know, would just be a real blessing from the Lord. Right? And the off chance that some of you have no needs. Right? What, what is it that we're trusting God for? We're going to take a moment, we're going to make sure we know what that is. And then, because I'm going to be pushing those of you who are introverts and visitors here, so again, my apologies for this. Right? But this is what we do as the church. Being the church is not about gathering together and listening to a pastor preach a good sermon. It's about being God's people together. And so um, I want you to, to go and to find someone that you might not know, ideally that you don't really know. Right? Maybe you know their name, but you don't know much about them at all. And I want you to just introduce yourself and just very briefly share the thing that you're trusting for. And I want you to try and keep it brief for two reasons. One, if you wax lyrical, we're going to be here all day long. And two, because if you're an introvert, you're protected because all you need to share is what your name is and what you're trusting God for, right? And so there's grace not to have a long conversation with someone that you don't know, right? So I want you to do that. I want you to find someone you don't know and just say, hey, this is my name and this is what I'm trusting God for at the moment. And then once you've done that, I want you to go back to your seat and I want you to just take a moment and say, Lord, is this something that you're going to ask me to meet? First question, Lord, is this something that there's someone I know who could meet this? And thirdly, God, if, I, if you're not speaking to me in any of those spaces, please will you help my brother and or sister and meet their need that they're carrying? Right? So I don't, want you to, I don't want you to immediately own whatever someone shares with you. It doesn't become your problem. I want you to take it to the Lord and just say, God, I've become aware of this. Because if we don't know what's going on in each of our lives, it's very difficult to care for one another. Right? And so that's why we're just going to start by sharing, just to, to find out something, to know something that we don't know now. But then we're not going to own it. We're going to take that to the Lord. And we're going to say, God, is this something I need to carry? Is this something you want me to meet because of what you've given me? Is this something I can freely do to bless my brother or sister here Maybe that's an, but maybe as the person shares with you, you recognize, man, you've got a connection that will really just open the space up for the person. Maybe that's the space you need to go into. And maybe if you don't know that, then you can just begin to pray and say, Lord, please will you meet the need that they have. And meet it through your body, meet it in your grace. Does that sound all right? Am I stretching anyone too far? Okay. My apologies if we're doing that. Right? It's stretching me a little bit as well, if it makes you feel better. Right? But we're going to do this together. So let's go now. Let's take um, like a minute or two, just so you can formulate what it is in your mind that you're trusting the Lord for. And then after that, we're going to go, we're going to find someone, share briefly, and come back and pray.
Okay. Does everyone feel like they've got something they can share? All right, let's mix it up. Let's go find someone you don't really know. Just introduce yourself. Tell them what you're trusting God for. We just sent Marylands and the time is. Um, yeah. We're picking up my dad from the airport. No worries. You've got to fly? Go fly. <laughs> Sorry. Bless you, bro. No worries. Ken, can I share with you? As you know, my name is Brad. <laughs> um, one of the things that I'm trusting God for at the moment is uh, four new tires for a car. Four new tires? Yeah. Um, uh, we've just replaced tires on our one car, now we've got to replace them on the other car. And it's, uh, it's a Yaris. It's all Yaris. So. Oh. Yourself? Well, I must be honest. Um, I, I think the thing that I'm trusting in most of all is to give me more courage, to be more okay. and let more people into my life. Okay. I'm, I'm actually not an introvert, but at the same time, I don't open my life up to others very easily. Okay. It's a big closed shop when it comes mm. to. But on the other side, I'm not like that. It's just on a more personal level, I think. I'm okay. Pretty closed up. Sure. I run a company in Simonstown, you probably know, the Scratch Patch. Yes. Uh, I'm the general manager there. Okay. So, so I meet a lot of people there and I have a lot of fun. It's yeah. my retirement job. Okay, lovely. Uh, I love the job. Awesome. Amazing place. And um, I come from a really diversified background, so it's completely new to me. And so I've been on holiday. So for mm. the last 10 years I've been on this holiday. Lovely. At this place. It's quite an amazing Experience for me. Mm. So, as I say, my personal life, I have a big close little shop. There, we're open because yeah. I'm sort of forced to be open. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Um, but sometimes I just feel too close. Okay. Tires. Mm. Not really into tires, but I know quite a few people at all, amazing enough. Oh. Yeah, well. So who knows, eh? Yeah. Awesome. Thank you, Ken. I'm going to go take some time to pray. Thanks, man. Oh, thank you, Lord.